I'm praying that you just soaked in the presence of God during our time of worship. Worship team is a great team. They spend a lot of time preparing the right kind of songs and then getting it together and them coming together to church in order to make this, you know, make the sound as as best as they can. I thank God for the spirit of excellence that they have. And all this is to help us come into the presence of God because we can experience the reality of God's presence right there in your homes. And I trust that you've not just been sitting down and having a cup of coffee while the worship was going on, but that you got involved in it. When you get involved in it, you know, when you you if you know the songs, I trust you just shut your eyes and, and, and as you sang those songs together with the team, I'm sure the presence of the Lord would have filled you in such a wonderful way. May the Lord fill your homes as you are watching our online services with His rich, rich presence. He said, where two or three are gathered in my name, there will I be in a manifested way. And I trust that you have been enjoying his presence. I'm sure you enjoyed the service last Sunday morning and the Sunday before that when Pastor Joanna was ministering the word of God. I trust that you received such a rich word from his presence last Sunday morning. Pastor Stefan blessed us talking about the God of the harvest. And it's so true because you see, as we, I liked what he said when, when he said, you've got to work because that's what Psalm 126, verse 5, verse 6 says the same thing. When you take your seed out, that seed which you can consider to be precious, if you go out with those precious seeds, you will come back with sheaves. In other words, you come back with a harvest. You go out with seed, God gives you back a rich harvest. You look at 1 Corinthians chapter 3 and verse 6, where Paul talks about one, uh, verse 6 and 7. He talks about where somebody waters and uh, somebody plants, somebody waters, but the God of the harvest, he gives the increase. Galatians chapter 6, verse 7, down to verse 9, talks about, do not be deceived. God is not mocked. Whatsoever you sow, you shall also reap. So it is God who gives us that wonderful harvest. Amen. And now as we come into this Sunday morning, it is Pentecost Sunday, a celebration of the God of the harvest. Actually, it's a whole celebration of God bringing in the harvest. That's what Pentecost Sunday is all about, or Pentecost Day was all about. But here's the question. If I were to ask you, who discovered electricity? What would you say? You would say, what we learned in school, you know, Benjamin Franklin. But actually, the early Greeks, uh, right up to this uh, 500 BC, uh, they, they were, the Greeks had already discovered static electricity when they, they rubbed amber with wool. Uh, amber is a kind of resin, you know, and they rubbed it with wool and they discovered static electricity. In the 17th century, there was this other guy by the name of William uh, Gilbert who already was experimenting with the science of electricity and magnetism. But, you know, as we talk about this, we, we cannot deny the fact that we've all been so tremendously affected by by this powerful uh, force, which we call electricity. We have been so uh, enabled by the powerful and beneficial forces that have been made available to us through this 
force called electricity. I mean, think about this. I mean, cooking now, a lot of it is done by uh, electric stoves, with uh, refrigeration. Oh, praise God for fans. Praise God, we've got air conditions, you know, and uh, all these wonderful little conveniences, your laptop, your iPhones, man, your computers, everything. Thank God we've got electricity. I mean, they have now discovered weapons to, to just uh, kind of move into, they, they just set out these waves into certain countries and the whole power grid is shut down over nations. And it's like plunging a country into the dark ages without the power of electricity. But this morning, we want to talk about a different power, a power that comes from, that is greater than the power of electricity, that is the power of God. And we're going to go into Pentecost Sunday this morning. I trust that you will just uh, continue to just open your hearts to the Holy Spirit. And I'm saying this from the depths of my heart. Listen, I share, uh, I, I want to share this so, so, uh, intimately with you. I, I want this to be for you to understand this from the depths of your heart. I want you to really know, to grasp this inside your very being. See, the Apostle Paul, I mean, he went through hell and high water. He went through situations and, and circumstances that we wouldn't even dream of going through. I mean, we would definitely come out of it either broken or, or angry, uh, wondering why I'm in the will of God, and yet I go through all these things. Pastor Stephen was talking about it last Sunday. We go through all these things. Why, oh God? But he went through it all, and he writes epistles like to the uh, Thessalonian church. He writes to the Philippian church. He's talking about rejoice in everything. Give thanks. He's talking about how good God is to us, the riches of his grace, the fullness of, uh, of his blessings. All these things. How come? And again, it comes back to that wonderful blessing that I bless you with, you know, the intimate friendship of the Holy Spirit. He must have had that, the intimate fellowship of the Holy Spirit or friendship of the Holy Spirit. So that's why I'm talking to you more about the Holy Spirit. Every chance I get, you know, over the next couple of weeks or so, we're going to talk more about, I want to talk to you about the Holy Spirit. Because once you have Him, you can go through hell or high water and you will know that He is with you. So for, for this morning, let's go into Acts chapter 1. Verses 1 through verse 8, he's writing to Theophilus. I'm just going to kind of summarize it. Uh, all that Jesus began to do and teach until the day he was taken up after giving instructions through the Holy Spirit to the apostles he had chosen. After he had suffered, uh, he presented himself to them and gave many convincing proofs that he was alive. Now, this is important. He appeared to them over a period of 40 days and spoke about the kingdom of God. Now, this is important. For 40 days, he shows himself alive. He had conquered death. He's the conquering, victorious, resurrected Savior. And he's teaching them for 40 days about the kingdom of God. That, that, that is so important for us to understand because at the last verse of Acts chapter 28, Acts chapter 28, verse 31, it says this. Here's Paul, verse 30 and 31. Paul is uh, staying in his own house. And then it says in verse 31, he proclaimed the kingdom of God. So Acts 1 begins with the kingdom of God. And it ends, chapter 28, with the kingdom of God. And in between, what we have is the church or the people of God or people of the kingdom living their lives out. 
That's what the book of Acts is all about. You and me, Christians, believers who are people of the kingdom, living our lives out. Now, so here is Jesus. I want you to just uh, picture this thing. Uh, he, he, on verse 4, he says, uh, he was eating and, and with them, and then he gave them this command, do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift of his promise. The gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about, for John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized in the Holy Spirit. So they gather around him, and then in verse uh, 8, he says, you know, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you will be witnesses unto me. You will be witnesses or my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria. You will be witnesses all over the world. You're going to be my witnesses. Now, here it is. For 40 days, Jesus, the resurrected conquering king, he has been instructing them about the kingdom. He has taught them for three and a half years uh, principles about the kingdom of God. He has opened up truths that they never had before. I mean, it, it, complete different uh, teaching altogether. He had been giving them all these things, but what was he saying? He said, this is not enough. See, church, you and I need to understand it's good to have biblical knowledge. It's good to know your Bible. It's good to have theology. It's good to attend Bible study classes. It's good to memorize the scriptures. All of these things to have good orthodox doctrines ingrained into us. That is important. However, Jesus is saying it's not enough. You need the power that I receive myself. I myself had to receive the power of the Holy Spirit. So this morning, let me just suggest to you a few things about what uh, the coming of the Holy Spirit means to each one of us. Number one, the Holy Spirit comes with instructive power. He comes with instructive power. Chapter 1, verse 2, until the day he was taken up to heaven, he's going to ascend after giving instructions through the Holy Spirit to the apostles he had chosen. Once again, resurrected Christ, conquering Christ, the one who defeated man's greatest enemy, death. He is giving instructions, not as the resurrected, conquering Christ. He's giving instructions through the Holy Spirit. Depending upon the Holy Spirit to bring instructions. Why? Because the Holy Spirit is called the spirit of revelation. He's called the spirit of wisdom. He's called the spirit uh, of knowledge. All these things are wrapped up in the Holy Spirit. So Jesus, he said, listen, even when I want to give instructions, although I conquered death and I'm all together, uh, the risen Christ, I am the son of the living God. Even when I want to give instructions, I have to depend upon the Holy Spirit because he comes with a revelation. He comes with wisdom. He comes with knowledge. John chapter 14, verse 26, it says this, But the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will, listen, teach you all things and remind you of all that I said to you. So there's a twofold thing going on right here. First of all, it's a practical thing. He will teach you all things. All things means everything that will help you. He's the helper. Everything that will help you live the kind of life you ought to be living. 
How do I manage my family? How do I run a proper budget on the kind of salary that I am receiving? How do I uh, uh, start a new business? What do I do when the doors are shut on me and I cannot do the kind of business I'm supposed to be doing? God, show me what am I supposed to be doing? How am I supposed to be going about it? Come on, talk to me. Let me know. Don't you think you and I need instruction? The answer is yes. And that instruction comes from the Holy Spirit himself. He will help us to do what we are supposed to be doing. Be with my mouth. See, when God sent Moses back to Pharaoh, he said, I will be with your mouth. Did God did, did God really appear right there? Said, no, no, the Spirit of the Lord was with him. The Bible says when the disciples began to preach, God confirmed the words that they were saying. I need God to be with my mouth when I'm speaking to a customer, when I'm speaking to people. I need him to guide the words that I, uh, that, that I should be using. So the Holy Spirit comes with instructive power. One of my favorite scriptures, as you all know, Ephesians 3.20. Let me read it to you from another translation. It says this, Never doubt God's mighty power to work in you and accomplish all this, he will achieve infinitely more than your greatest requests, your most unbelievable dreams, and exceed your wildest imagination. He will outdo them all, for his miraculous power constantly energizes you. Ah, Paul is writing, man, from the prison. And he's saying, listen, he's still able to do. That's why we've got the beautiful epistle of Ephesians plus different epistles that he wrote from prison. He was not confined. He didn't have the lockdown mentality. You could just, you know, put the body under lockdown, but the spirit man is free. Why? Because the Holy Spirit comes with instructive power to what am I supposed to do during this time when I am locked in? And boy, was he locked in, but still not locked out from all that God wanted him to do. And I pray the same thing happens to you when you allow the Holy Spirit to come in. Number two, he comes with an identification power. What do I mean by this? In Luke chapter 24, verse 49, it says this, Behold, I am sending the promise of my Father upon you, but you are to stay in the city until you are clothed with power from on high, until the Holy Spirit comes and clothes you. And clothing identifies people, don't they? I mean, the Indians have their... Indian clothing, when you see a guy wearing that, you know the guy's from India or is at least wearing an Indian uh, costume, all right? Uh, it identifies the person with India or with China. Uh, when a guy is wearing a certain costume or the Malays, when they wear a certain costume, like over the past week, they celebrated Hari Raya. And my wife and I was going back to, uh, we were out on the road, not really going back to Sipa, but we were going out on the road. And, and you see the guys coming on motorcycles all dressed up in their traditional clothes. And so you know that they are celebrating Raya. At this time, they want to wear their traditional clothes. It identifies them. You see a policeman with his uniform, you know he's a policeman, a nurse, you know it's a nurse. Uh, you know, a different uh, clothing identifies a person. So what is he saying? He's saying, when I come, when the Holy Spirit comes, he's going to clothe you and you shall be identified as, as my people, as my witness. 
Uh, in other words, you will be known by the clothing that you have on you. You, you. you will be totally different. There's something about you that will be so attractive, like the burning bush church we talked about. When the fire of God comes upon you, you'll be so different. I, at this time, you know, it's wonderful when we talk about having our service online. I'm not only preaching to you at this time, I'm also preaching in another church, both churches sim uh, simultaneously. That's a wonderful thing about technology. I'm preaching in another church on, about, uh, on Pentecost Sunday and preaching to you at the same time. Isn't that great? I mean, this is wonderful. So I, I, to them, I was talking about the power of the Spirit rushing upon. It says the Spirit of the Lord rushed upon Samson quickly clothed him for different things. And that's why Delilah said to him, you know, you are just an ordinary man. What is this thing about you? Why are you so different? That's how we are to be identified, church. Why was Jesus so different? Because when he came out of the baptism while he was praying, it says the Spirit of the Lord came upon him without measure, clothed him. Amen. And so may you be clothed, may you be identified uh, as a child of God as the Spirit comes upon you with identifying power. Of course, number three, I'd like to say that the Spirit of God, when He comes, He's a transforming power. He's a transforming power. And this is important. John chapter, uh, Acts chapter 1, verse 5, John baptized you with water, but in a few days uh, you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Now, this is important. There are two words that are used. One is the word bapto, which means to dip. John baptized you, dipped. But when, when but a few days you will be baptized is the word baptizo. So you have a bapto and you have a baptizo. One is to be dipped. One is to be completely immersed. Nicander in the year uh, 200 BC, uh, a Greek guy, he, he spoke about this when he talked about how you take vegetables and you bapto it in boiling water. Bapto, dip it in boiling water. Then you take it out and you baptizo, immerse it in vinegar. And the nature of the vegetable changes from being just a vegetable to becoming a pickled vegetable. Totally different altogether. So the very nature of it, both verbs contain, uh, con concern the immersing of vegetables in a solution. But one has to do with a temporary thing. You put it inside hot water, you take it out, it's still vegetable. But when you put it inside vinegar, something happens and the change is permanent. You cannot make it back to what it was before. Okay? So that's what it means. Once we are baptized, in the Holy Spirit, we become so different. We can have all, you know, in Acts chapter uh, 1, 8, he says, you, you know, you're not what you are yet. Uh, you have got all the biblical training. You've got wonderful messages that have come into your life. All this is wonderful. Everything that you have received as a believer until today is great. But this is not enough. That's what he was saying to the disciples. You have been dipped, dipped, just put in bapto into all these wonderful things that I've been telling you about, but you need to become, uh, you know, immersed, baptizo in the Holy Spirit. Hallelujah. So you are completely transformed. And that's what happened to the disciples. At one moment, although they had seen Christ and he had been teaching them for 40 days, but for 10 days, they were locked up in a room. 
Still fear inside their hearts. Still, of course, they were waiting for the Holy Spirit. But you can sense the trepidation, the, the anxiety that they were feeling on the inside, you know, just waiting, waiting. I wonder what this Holy Spirit is like. We have heard, he said, someone like him. Is he going to be a person? We don't know what. I mean, we know it's the Spirit, but how is he going to come? They had no clue as to how the Spirit of God would come. And then suddenly when the Holy Spirit came, and that's the word it's used, suddenly they came from heaven. The sound is of a rushing mighty wind, like the rushing wind upon Samson. And Samson from an ordinary man became a, an extraordinary man. And so it is with us. We, we, we uh, change completely. That is one of the evidences that Jesus is alive. Because the disciples who were afraid now became so powerful. But the, the thing that caused them to have this transformation was the power of the Holy Spirit. I need that transformation. I need to be a different person altogether, the kind of person God wants me to be, to be bold, uh, to be exuberant, to be joyful people. Hallelujah. Prayerful, loving God with all my might. Amen. Now, the, the fourth thing I want to say is that when he comes, he comes with a compassionate power. Compassionate power. Acts chapter 1 and verse 8, you shall be my witnesses. In other words, you shall start to share with people that hate you. You shall even be willing to die. The word witnesses, it comes, uh, the word is martyrs. You are, you, you will share to the place where people will kill you, but you will still love them. Like Stephen, when he was being stoned, he says, God, he prays. He says, God, please don't, don't lay the sin to their charge. In other words, forgive them. Have mercy upon them. I mean, this kind of compassionate power is uh, uh, not from this world. You cannot get that kind of power, man. Come on, the love that we have is so limited. Now it's giving even less, uh, you know, even more limited in that sense where people, the slightest thing, they give up on uh, marriages, they give up on their children, they give up on things. Uh, the compassion that they have is is so limited. But when you have the love of God shed abroad in your hearts by the Holy Spirit, you can start to love people. He comes with a compassionate power to make us, to cause us to love like we have never loved before. God, I don't know how. So the love of God, not the love for God, but the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Spirit. He comes with a compassionate power. Lastly, I, mu I must say this. You know, talking about that, I I've got a psalm down here that I forgot to read to you. Psalm 62, verse 11 and verse 12. This is what it says. One thing God has spoken, two things I have heard, that power belongs to the Lord. Now watch this. Power belongs to you, God, and with you is unfailing love. So it looks like the power of God is the power of unfailing love. He's got that power to do all kinds of things, but it's also the power of unfailing love. God's love never fails. I'll be talking about that in our class uh, on Tuesday night, talking about God's love for us is a constant love. It never changes at all. Uh, number five, let me just say this. The Holy Spirit is a promised power. He is a promised power. Acts chapter 1 verse 4, do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift 
my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. Luke chapter 24, verse 49. Behold, I am sending the promise of the Father. The promise of the Father. Listen, when God makes a promise, He fulfills it. It may take a long time. That's why when the Holy Spirit came, Peter stood up and he said, This, they said, what does this mean? He says, This is that which was spoken by the prophet Joel. I will pour my spirit about all flesh. God promised 500 years ago that he was going to pour his spirit out. And this is the fulfillment of the promise of the Father. When he said to Abraham, you're going to have a child, God fulfilled the promise. It may take a little while, but God fulfilled his promise. Galatians chapter 3 verse 14, it says, by faith, we receive this gift or this promise of the Father. But it is not just a promised power. It is a promised gift as well. It is a gift that God wants to give us. Oh, how we need this. How we need this power. And he has promised to give this to you. I will pray the Father. Jesus, I will ask him and he will send the Spirit to you. If you will drink of me. Come and drink of me. Out of you will flow. You will have rivers of living water. For this he spoke about the Holy Spirit. John chapter 7 verse 38 to 39. That wonderful. It is a promise that God has given us. Okay, so we've been talking about the power of God. Let me just close with this. Let's say you go down to an island to have a holiday and stay by the beach. This beautiful, the best island in the whole world. I'm talking about, you know, Penang. And you stay there right at the beach. You stay uh, at the Shang or, you know, and or, or at Park Royale where we went and stayed. And we like that hotel. Beautiful beach, beautiful pool, very nice for kids, everything. That's an advertisement. All right, now uh, finish with a word from the consumer. But right now, I'm <laughs> just uh, advertisement. But let me just say this. You stay there at the beach, and then you go down, you know, the nice pool and everything, but you want to go out there and swim. You take your whole family there. They're about, let's say, if my family is huge, let's say yours, uh, down to about seven or eight of you, you go down to the uh, beach side, and, and the guy comes up, and they, they want to sell you things. They want to sell you a horse ride. And, and there's another guy who comes up, and he says, listen, I could take you guys on the banana boat, right? I'll take you out on the banana boat. Somebody else also comes at the same time and says, we, we'll take you out on the banana boat. And so you ask the first guy and you, and you say to him, okay, uh, how much do you charge? And the guy says, well, listen, it's, it's just $10. It's just $10. For all of us, $10. The guy says, yes, for all of you, $10. $10. Very cheap, $10. You ask the second guy. And the guy says, well, for each of you, $10. So you've got about eight people and, and he goes, you got to pay $80. $10 per ride per person on this ride. And you turn to the other guy, the guy goes, no, all of you, all of you, $10. Now you would definitely go with the first guy, right? But you need to understand, the first guy, he will take you out on his banana boat, but he, he will pull the boat with his sampan. Gayo, 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 gayo. He'll take you out on his sampan, right? Nice, smooth, very slow. The other guy says, I charge you $10 per person, but I've got the speedboat. And I'll hook you guys up. Which one would you choose? 
I'm sure you're going to go. I'd rather pay 80 bucks so that the family can enjoy this trip where the guy takes you out, man, speed out, and then at the end of it, he just makes a sun turn and all of you drop into the sea. Man, that's fun. That's the exciting thing about it. Why? The guy has got power in his boat. Now, also, you are down the road and you're going down, you know, and then suddenly your car stalls and you discover that your battery has died. Some good soul comes along and they've got some good cables and they help you out. They put the positive to the positive, negative to the negative, and then they put it into their car and they rev up their engine, get you to start yours, and you start. And what they have done is they have transferred their power into your battery. That's what the word power dunamis or dynamo, to stir up power within your lives. Pentecost Sunday, I need the Holy Spirit. How about you? I'm sure you need the Holy Spirit too. And so we're going to say, God, we thank you. This is not something that I can earn, but something that you give to me. It is the promise. It is also a gift of the Holy Spirit. So why don't we just allow God to do something in us as we join our hearts in prayer. Let me just lead you in prayer today. Our Father, we are so grateful to you for the promise that you have made through your son, Jesus. He told us that you would give us this gift. It's a promise of the Father. It's not just a promise. It's the promise of the Father. The word declares the Holy Spirit is the promise, the number one. If you have kept your faithful in all the other promises, surely you will keep your promise over this. And so I ask, oh God, that as your people just open their hearts to you wherever they are, they need instruction. They need help. They need compassion at this time. It seems like we are running out. We are running on empty right now. Batteries are beginning to die. We are running out of power. And God, we need the power of Pentecost. Once again, the power that the Holy Spirit alone can bring. If Jesus himself needed the power of the Spirit, so much more, we need the power of the Holy Spirit. Help us, dear God. Come, visit us in our living rooms. Fill each heart, each person who is watching. May the presence of the Holy Spirit be so real that they will welcome him into their lives and begin to enjoy the intimate friendship of the Holy Spirit. I bless them and I thank you, Lord, that you're going to just minister and cause us to grow from strength to strength and live the kind of lives we are meant to live as kingdom people. We give you thanks in Jesus' name. Amen. Now let's lift our hands. Now may the Lord so bless you and keep you. May he cause his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. May he lift up his countenance upon you, give you peace in all your homes. And may the grace, amazing grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, all oh, the wonderful, wonderful love of God, our Heavenly Father, and the intimate friendship of the Holy Spirit be with each one of you. In Jesus' name, amen. Have a safe but a great and enjoyable week all week. Stay blessed.